Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today is another episode of Craving More, my subscriber edition. So thank you to all who are listening right now. I appreciate all of you. Uh, So in a second, I'm going to do a review of the Diet Starts Tomorrow podcast because I finally found that one where she interviewed Tana Zuckerbrot. So I've been looking for it forever and I finally found it. So yes, I'm going to be talking about the Fiber Feud again and reviewing this specific podcast that was actually done years ago. Uh, But I'm just, I was so fascinated in it and hopefully all of you will be too. So first, just a quick personal update. First of all, I'm not sure who left me the positive review recently, but if it is one of my subscribers, thank you so much, girl. I appreciate you. Um, I've gotten many more negative reviews, but somebody took time to leave me a a nice positive one. So I do appreciate that. Um, And uh, so I wanted to get into, so let's, let's start in terms of my personal update with last weekend. So I worked on Saturday and then met my boyfriend and his friends at uh, a sports bar because they wanted to watch some sports. (laughs) Gotta love that. That's like what we do with our lives now. Um, But you know, it's late on Saturday when I get out. So I'm not complaining. I just, I did want to have a few cocktails and I was able to walk to the bar and it was beautiful out and I just put my headphones on and it was just really nice to you know, just get outside and walk and breathe. And, um, but I did get, I did get super cranky at the bar. Like, I mean, you know, I'm good for like a good three to four hours out. Anytime, much more after that, I'm kind of like, I'm over it and I just want to go back, go home. Uh, and this time, I don't know, my, my boyfriend and his friends were like all into watching this stupid hockey game and playing this really boring golf video game. And so we're going on the fifth hour there and I'm like, I got to get out of here. There were people around me that were like this, these two girls that were playing this other video game that were like screeching at the top of their lungs. There was a guy behind me that was just so loud and annoying. I'm like, I don't know what is wrong with me, but I am so annoyed right now. Turns out it was PMS. So (laughs) at least I'm not just like a raving bitch for no reason. Um, but we finally left and I was very glad to leave. And then I started my period. So I was like, okay, good. So I'm not in menopause, which I thought I was, but I, I do have my period again. Um, and PMS is going strong. So here we are. Uh, and then Sunday I went to visit a friend. She just had moved into a new place. Uh, and so I went to see her new place. It's really cute. And she actually told me that she started the semaglutide shots. So she told me all about it. I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to interview her. She's going to, she, she wants to be interviewed. So I do want to uh, talk about, you know, her experience and how she's feeling on it. And I think she'll be a good one to, um, because she's planning on, losing the weight that she wants to lose and then getting off of it and hoping to maintain it after she's off. So she'll be a really good test case to see, like, can people maintain this weight loss after they get off the shots? So hopefully we can do 
an initial podcast with her and then maybe another one after she's done with it. Um, you know, maybe like, I don't know, six months to a year after she's done with it, we can check in with her and see how she's doing, see how, if she's getting any weight back. Um, so more to come on that one. I think that's going to be a really interesting interview. And she's not a celebrity. She's just, I mean, she does have, you know, she does have, have money and she's, um, you know, she just decided to take action because she had gained some weight and she wasn't really happy about it. And, um, you know, she was having trouble losing it. So, you know, she's taking them. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to her. So I will, I'm not sure when I'm going to air that, but I will air it soon once we actually tape it. And then after that, I went to my boyfriend's sister. It was her birthday. So we went to a little birthday party at his parents' house. And that was fun. Um, you know, it was a pretty packed house. Lots of people. Uh, they had us pick up some chicken wings. And they had pizza. They had a salad. Like a really good um like uh not like an antipasto salad so so yummy um and then they had the chicken wings that we brought over which were good I had one it was crunchy it was good and then the pizza was gross but the salad was actually the highlight I don't usually like deli meat but this had some nice salami in the salad and really good dressing and some black olives I love black olives the dressing was really good so it was it was delicious uh, and then they had a chocolate cake with ice cream, which mm, it looked real. The ch- cake looked really good and did not disappoint. So I had a nice piece of that. I wasn't hungry for it, but I ate it anyway. Um, you know, when I go to a birthday party, especially, I mean, Chad's family is awesome. Like they're so nice. They're so welcoming. Um, I really, I love all of them. They're just, they're really good people. Um, uh, but you know, when I, when I'm at a, at an event like that where I'm not necessarily like it's like they're his family and I'm there to just support I usually just stuff my face (laughs) so um so that's what I did and it's funny his sister so his one of his sisters is a nurse practitioner and I, I I love both of his sisters they're really sweet they're very different like his younger sister it was her birthday and then his older sister uh so she's a nurse practitioner and she definitely believes in medication management and she's pretty free with, you know, how she, you know, supports people with medications. Um, but she, every time I see her, she tells, she says the same exact thing. She always has to say how she works with all these kids that have cannabis psychosis that like use too much cannabis and, and develop some side of some sort of like psychosis from it. And look, I know that that can happen, right? Like I know that there's there's children out there that should not be using cannabis underage. Like I'm a huge proponent of that. Like kids should not be using cannabis if they're under 21 years old. Um, I mean, unless they're, of course, a medical patient, like with cancer, or autism or something or seizure disorders and using CBD or something. But, you know, kids using cannabis recreationally under 21 while their brains are still developing. I am totally against that. Uh, and, and I don't know why she has to say the same thing to me every single time as if like, I'm the reason behind it because I happen to be in the cannabis industry. I don't know why she says it. Um, I finally stopped reacting like this time she said it again and I'm like, she's like, oh my God, you'd be so surprised how many kids I'm treating that God developed psychosis from using cannabis. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's, that's horrible. They shouldn't be using it. 
you know, the, the, the developing mind should not be using it. So anyway, I'm just like not reacting to it anymore. I think she just likes to say it every time she sees me for whatever reason. Anyway, um, so she's she's like a, she deals with mental health. She does a lot of, um, you know, developmental stuff. And she works with a lot of people with like schizophrenia and, you know, people with schizophrenia should not be using THC anyway. So anyway, um, so, but anyway, it was a, it was a fun little event. We went home after that. So I also wanted to talk about the Botox that I got the last time I went for my neck Botox. So I think I told you guys the last time on my last one, my last episode that I had used another Groupon to get my Botox in my neck because I needed like 70 units, or at least that's what the girl told me. And I did say that I was going to stop, eventually stop using Groupons for Botox. Uh, I haven't yet. Uh, And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I still will to save a lot of money. Now, I will say that I did get slightly botched. (laughs) So uh, I think that, so the last episode I taped, I don't think it had kicked in yet, or maybe I hadn't gotten it yet. I can't remember what what day I recorded it, but um, I don't think it had, it had it had like actually taken effect yet. And so, but but when it did, I was on my Zoom on my you know at my other job, and I'm looking at myself speak, and I'm realizing that like the left side of my mouth was not moving. And I'm like, why does my mouth look so weird when I'm talking? And I realized that whatever she had done, because, you know, she put, she ended up putting, I think, like 50, I think she put 50 units in my, in my neck. And then she did, she did 60 overall. She's like, you don't need 70, but um, I'm going to, she put some in my little like chin area, you know, where those two muscles are beside your chin where you have those, you know, you tend to like, anyway, if you, if you get those done, it can help you prevent like all the wrinkling on the side of your mouth and the the tendency for it to pull down on your jowls. So I had her do that and whatever she did, it did, it did affect the way that my mouth speaks and smiles and, you know, I was, I was, I don't know. I, n- nobody else could notice it. I, and I did ask my friends, I'm like, can you notice that my mouth is weird right now? And nobody could notice it but me. So, so at first I was like, oh my God, I fucked up my face. What am I going to do? I'm never going to get, use a boat, a, a group on again. But I have to say, I'm like really happy with the way my neck came out because I can definitely tell the difference. Like the skin is so, so much tighter and it was really loose and crepey before. And so, it, I mean, it's definitely worth doing your neck. If you, if that's a problem area, you know, and it bothers you, you know, putting it in those, like those, those big, like whatever they, those muscles are called when you like clench your, your jaw, um, it ends up tightening the skin. And so I, I do like the result on my neck, but the mouth area, <laughs> not so great now, but I do love how much money I save. I mean, for the 60 units, I only paid like a little over $400, which normally you're going to pay, you know, six to $800 if you're going someplace, you know, where they charge, you know, other places charge 10 to $12 a unit. And so I'm very cheap in some ways, but then other ways, like there are places that I do spend my money. 
And so I think I talked about how like I'm willing to do the group on for Botox, but definitely not for, for filler. And so I did make an appointment and I've been talking about doing this for years, but I did make an appointment with Dr. Kasabian. Now, I don't know if I'm going to keep it. I made it for, you know, I made it for Thursday, I think the 24th of May. And or it's, it's one of those days, like the day before, the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. And I've been, I've just been saying that forever that one day I'm going to go to Dr. Kasabian and get this eye bright treatment because my, under my eyes has always been my problem area. It's always been how I show my age and and I know you're not supposed to care about, you know, aging now, but whatever. Uh, I have really deep tear troughs and I've gotten, I've talked to you guys before about how I got botched there with filler where it looked like I had just a sack of fluid underneath it. So I did have that depleted before and I have had some good filler in those areas uh, since then. But I really, really want this specific treatment done because this Dr. Kasabian is an expert. Now it's going to cost $4,500 for this filler, which is insanely expensive. But, you know, I, I don't know, I really want to do it. I really want to, you know, I want to keep this promise to myself. You know, I'm so sometimes I'm so cheap with myself that I'm like, that I ended up then I end up like just putting myself on the back burner instead of spending money on myself when I really want to. So I did make this appointment. I really do want to do this for myself. And I just need to see if it's going to work out for me to be in LA that weekend. Um, And if it is, I probably will keep the appointment. Um, And so, you know, I'm planning on spending a lot of money to get good filler. I mean, that's where Caroline Stanbury goes. That's where um, Kylie Jenner has gone. That's where like Heather McDonald goes and Heather McDonald, these, I mean, these, she's in her fifties and she looks great. And so it's, it's, you know, you don't have to get all like insane work done, but if you do some of this stuff, it definitely, and filler lasts a really long time on me. That's why I feel like it's going to be a good investment. So we'll see. I, you know, I'm going to, if, if I do it, I'm going to document the whole thing. It's going to be a write-off, <laughs> document it on my podcast and document it on my Instagram. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated if I'm, if I end up doing it. So what else? Oh, I also, this week I did make a really delicious meal that I posted on Instagram. I recreated that purple carrot meal that is um, that vegan meal that has right it has white rice and a little bit of quinoa. It has the pistachios that are roasted with paprika and salt and olive oil, and you dip like this avocado in it, and then you roast sweet potatoes with some curry and vegetable oil and salt, and uh, chop up a little bit of lemon leaf, and then you make this mango salad with garlic some lime juice, a little bit of olive oil and some salt. And it is so damn good. I am obsessed. So I ate that. It's incredibly satisfying. It's all whole foods. It is very carb heavy. And there's, you know, there's, there's not like a wicked ton of protein in it. I mean, it has protein from like 
you know, the natural protein that, that some of the vegetables will have. And then of course the pistachios, but it's not like super high protein, but it's really filling and it's very satisfying. And I just feel, I feel good when I eat it. So, um, so I got, ended up getting two mangoes and I've had that the last few days. So that's been delicious. Um, and then I also tried this new class on ClassPass called Bali Politique or Politic. It's a Legree class, kind of like that burn class that I take, except this one is a brand new studio. It's super, super close to me. It's literally five minutes down the street. The other one, the other two that I usually go to, one is 30 minutes away. One is like 20 minutes away. So this one being five minutes away is so convenient and it's a brand new studio. So they have tons of availability on ClassPass. I'm sure it'll get booked up really soon, but it just kiss, uh, kicks my ass. I mean, nothing nothing gets my body in shape like this specific Legree method. It's really intense. You know, you're not supposed to stop the whole time. I stop constantly. The teachers are always being like, come on, don't stop, push yourself. And I'm like, fuck this. But it's, it's so good for you. And, um, you know, it's like Pilates on steroids. So I, I love Pilates. I love what it does for my body. Um, I know some of my listeners are very into Pilates. So, um, and all of your bodies look amazing. Everyone that, that I know does it looks great. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. I do want to try a different kind of class at some point to review. So I will do that soon. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be hitting this class many, many more times. I just went today. Um, and then I went for a nice swim after in the pool because I wanted to do some cardio after, but I didn't feel like getting on the treadmill. And it was, oh, it was beautiful out today. So put on some good music and just swam some laps around the pool. And it was refreshing and just a really, really nice day. So uh, that is the personal update. And now let's get into the review of Diet Starts Tomorrow. All right, so let's get into the review of Diet Starts Tomorrow, where Aileen interviewed Tanya Zuckerbrot, founder of the F-Factor Diet. Now, before I get into this review, I just want to preface it that, so the last time I commented on this on my last podcast, I was just, I was wondering why all this had popped up again, because Tanya is every single day doing a really long live, like literally every single day. I can't, and I can't get enough of it. I'm like the sicko that just keeps watching it. Um, but she's, it's, it's, it's so weird because it's like a, a year after it settled down for a long time. Like this was happening constantly. There was, you know, Wondery did a, a podcast series on it. And when the whole diet culture takedown first started, like, intensifying especially over the pandemic this was this the top people were talking about this specific feud between Emily Gellis the fashion blogger and Tanya Zuckerbrot founder of the F Factor diet and you know it was just going back and forth you found out that Tanya was suing Emily and Emily was talking about it the most and now 
now it seems like Tanya is going on the offensive. Tanya is the one that's suing Emily. I think Emily is countersuing. And I guess we won't f- hear the outcome of this lawsuit, of these lawsuits, plural, until sometime probably late 2024. But, um, but I think because Tanya ended up deciding to shut her company down, or at least the product side of the company, I honestly think that's probably why she's going on the offensive. I think she's realized suddenly like how much she's lost, how much all of this has affected her company, and, and she doesn't want to be silent about it anymore. Um, I think for a long time, she didn't know how to respond. And now she's just constant. It's constant. She's naming names. She's like Alex Turoff or whatever that other RD's name that this, there was this other registered dietitian, a few registered dietitians that that went after F-Factor Diet. These are like intuitive eating dietitians that, you know, support the the intuitive eating movement and body positivity and all of these things. Um, that are are kind of anti, you know, they or they became anti Tanya Zuckerbrot. So she's throwing their names out there. Apparently, they're going to be deposed. I mean, and Tanya recently on some of her lives has sounded, you know, very threatening. She's just like because she is going to depose these people. You know, she is going to bring people that have spoken about this like into the into court. And, uh, and then she's, she's just, she's playing all the videos that Emily, you know, all the, all the things that Emily said about her and, you know, and, and you can see that some of Tanya's followers are, you know, some of them are just completely supportive of her. Other people are like, Tanya, stop enough. This, this is enough. Like, why are you still talking about this? Like move forward with your life. Like don't stay just stewing in this toxicity anymore. Um, and then there's people that are getting offended because Tanya's basically like, fuck you to all my, my former clients who turned their backs on me, um, who stopped, who believed all of the hype and all of the bad press about my products and stopped using them and turned your back on F factor. And I mean, you do have to have some empathy for those people. I mean, if, of course, if you're using something that, you know, people are talking about causing health issues, you, you, you may second guess it, even if there isn't a lot, like you're, you may hesitate. That's just a natural human reaction to have. But Tanya's like going after those people and being like, you shouldn't have turned your back on me. And, and it's such a hard place for her to be in because I, I understand how she's saying she's just she's really hurt. She she built this company for over 20 years. It was thriving and successful. She had built a great reputation in the industry. And and suddenly she's just getting torn apart in the media by colleagues, by on social media, by her own staff, by p- former staff, by you know, former clients and existing clients. I mean, she couldn't get away from it. I, I, I understand because of what I went through with my lawsuit and I, and it's honestly, it's probably nothing compared to what they're going through because I mean, her, it sounded like her company was doing way more revenue than mine ever did. And, you know, she has so many, you know, over a hundred thousand followers. Emily Gellis has over 200,000 followers. So when your drama is just getting played out in the public eye and you're getting torn apart 
It's, I, I can't imagine. I just cannot imagine going through that. And so I have a lot of empathy um, I, I have a lot of empathy, honestly, for everybody involved. I don't, I don't necessarily have a side, but, uh, but I did. So on one of the lives recently, Tanya was, she brought up the Aileen conversation. She's like, and that Aileen that interviewed me on that podcast, Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm trying to remember what she said about Aileen. I think she said something about, you know, she's always struggled with her body issues. And then she brings me on this podcast and asks me all these rude questions. And I was like, oh my God, I need to hear this podcast. And I had I had spent all this time like sorting through their their podcast episodes to try to find this. And I could not find it for the life of me. This is this is back when I did my whole series on this drama. But I found it. I just Googled it and I found it. I don't know why I didn't just Google before. Anyway, um, but I found it. And so the title of this Diet Starts Tomorrow is Should I Be Eating More Fiber? And this was back before um, uh, Lubination uh, and the two new uh, hosts of Diet Starts Tomorrow took over. Um Emily Lubin and Remy Casimir, like they weren't here yet. It was still Aileen, who is one of the founders of Betches, who owns that whole media company. And then Sammy. Sammy wasn't there that day, but it was just Aileen. And so, uh, so it, it, so it was just, it was just the two of them. And, um, and so, so here, so let's dive in. So Aileen, at first she she really, she'd heard Tanya speak at some sort of Jewish, I'm not sure what it was. It was some sort of like Jewish um, gathering of, of, you know, it was some, something to do with their faith. But I, I and I'm, so I'm, I think she was just speaking about her company and maybe success in general. But the reason that Aileen, her, Aileen is Jewish and so is Tanya. And so, um, so that's how she ended up hearing her speak. And so Aileen was like, I, you know, she introduces her. She's like, I have world renowned dietitian. You know, she's, she sounds really excited to have Tanya on her podcast. Um, so she jumps in, she's just like, you know, I heard you speak at this, this place, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm just curious, you know, what does the F stand for an F factor? And so Tanya kind of dives in and she's like fiber, you know, it stands for high fiber. And, you know, she kind of got into her whole history of like how F factor was, was founded. And she talked about how she, you know, when she had graduated from NYU with her uh, degree as a nutri- as a dietitian, um, she had to go into a clinical practice first, or she was in clinical and, you know, when you're becoming a registered dietitian, you have to do so many hours as um, on, you know, in clinical practice. And so she talked about how she was working with a lot of cardiovascular and diabetic patients. And she was like, I learned about the importance of fiber. She's like, I had patients following high fiber diets. And she said what she realized is that all of that fiber was lowering their cholesterol. It was getting their blood sugar regulated. And across the board, they ended up losing weight, even though that wasn't the main intent. And she's like, they were they were so full from fiber throughout the day that they ended up not overeating or snacking as much. So, um, 
so she's like, and these were outpatients. These weren't like inpatients where they were, you know, in a hospital setting. She's like, these were people that were, you know, checking in. They were out there living their lives, attending events, eating with their family, but they were still losing weight. And she's like, okay, so these people are able to change their health without compromising their lifestyle. And she's like, and you know, she's like, if you're a chiropractor, you know, and and you're, or you go to a chiropractor and you get your back fixed, nobody really notices your back is fixed. She's like, but when you've lost 20 pounds, she's like, people notice. And so she's like, a lot of people started noticing my clients and how they were losing weight and they would ask them what they were doing. And so she would get these, these referrals. She's like, people would call me. And out of the blue and say, look, I don't need the diabetes or the cholesterol management. I just I just want the weight loss part. So she's like, and that's how F Factor was was born. She's like, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, she's like, and, and originally I thought I would stick with clinical. She goes, I never really saw myself as a weight loss guru, but yeah, here I am. And so, so Aileen was curious. She's like, did this happen early or late in your career? And Tanya was like, well, pretty early. She's like, I've always had a Mother Teresa complex. Uh, she's like, I've always really wanted to help people to save the world. So, you know, I would reach out to cardiologists and endocrinologists. And she's like, I always, you know, and always knew the clinical app. She's like, I always knew the clinical applications of fiber. Um, and she, she, she's like, cause after I graduated from NYU, she's very proud of her, of having graduated from NYU. She, she talks about that quite a bit throughout this podcast. Um, but she said she was like, she was simply prescribing fiber for health and the byproduct was weight loss. And so, so Aileen was like, well, did you end up changing what they were eating along with adding fiber? And Tanya's like, that's a great question. She's like, you're basically asking how we're different from other diets. She's like, and the answer is, is the same. She's like, um, you know, to lose weight, you do need to be in a calorie deficit. So that's where most diets ask you to cut carbs and cut sugar and eliminate things. She's like, but with F factor, you add things, you add fiber. And so when you're adding that, it does create that calorie deficit naturally. So she's like, people in the beginning just didn't have room for other stuff that they used to eat. She's like, but now the diet's really evolved. It's it's definitely more of a prescription or a formula. She's like, it's it's we now have a very strong philosophy. And she, she's like, our saying is that combining fiber and meal Fiber and protein at every meal makes weight loss no big deal. And, you know, fibers in vegetables, fruits, whole grains. She's like, you can use high fiber crackers or cereals. You know, you can have, you know, and you do need a lot of protein. She's like, the protein would be like beef or poultry or fish, eggs, cheese, you know, tofu or seitan if you're a vegetarian. And we also, you know, have moderate amounts of fat on the diet. She's like, you shouldn't ever do a diet where you have to omit things entirely. She's like, we break the program into three steps. um, And step three is maintenance. Step one outlines the carbs you should be eating that allows your body to burn fat for fuel. And she's like, F factor is based in science. So in the absence of glucose, your body will burn fat for fuel. 
So all the carbs get converted into glucose. So all carbs do get converted into glucose. And she's like, and carbs are great. We need them for energy, especially athletes. But if you have too many carbs, your body stores them as fat. Um, she's like, your body stores carbs in your muscles and liver. So if you eat more than your body can store, it's going to be converted into fat. So then Aileen asks, well, will your body store um, store that into fat if you're in a calorie deficit? And Tanya's like, no, if you're eating in a calorie deficit, it's unlikely you're going to overfill your glycogen stores. She's like, they can store a limited amount, but in calorie deficit, it's very unlikely. She's like, think of carbs as like gas for your body. If you overfill your gas tank, it will pour out. She's like, but excess fuel doesn't pour out of our body. So, you know, we just store it as fat and gain weight. And so she's like, that's why even healthy foods like cherries or skim milk or quinoa in excess can be stored as fat. She's like, I want to educate and empower people. You know, it's simple science. Everything I preach has published research behind it so I can deliver disruptive messages that are true. So then Aileen goes and asks, so regarding the steps, how many grams of carbs are you prescribing per step so people don't fill their glycogen stores? I mean, I'm sure it varies per person, like body composition and height, etc. right? And Tanya's like, in step one, it's not necessarily about how much carbs. It's really about how many net carbs. She's like, say you eat a total of 300 grams of carbs with no fiber. She's like, that entire 300 grams are net grams because they will get converted into glucose. But if you eat 300 total grams and 200 of those grams are fiber, you're only having 100 grams of net carbs. So we're not focused on total carb intake. We're focused on net because fiber is indigestible. And fiber used, you know, fiber used to have a bad name. She's like, people thought of old people, prunes, metabucil. She's like, but fiber is so cool. She's like, it has no calories, no carbs. It revs up the metabolism. It pulls fat and calories out of your body. She's like, but let me actually answer your question. She's like, step one is called our jumpstart. It's like a formula where you eat four meals, breakfast, lunch, and you eat four times a day. You eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and a snack. She's like, and you learn how to count carbs and fiber and every day you self-evaluate. So we have a free app or if you're old school, you can just journal. And she's like, every day you need to get at least 35 grams of fiber because that will keep you full. When you create a calorie deficit, you're usually hungry. So that's why that much fiber is so important. You know, you don't want to feel deprived. She's like, and that's because that's what most diets do. They deprive you. They make you feel like you're being too restricted and it's just not sustainable. She's like, the net carbs should be under 35 grams so that your body is forced to burn fat for fuel. She's like, we use a machine called the InBody and it measures your body composition. And that's how we know it's working. She's like, that's, that's how we know how much muscle and fat you have. You know, we measure you on day one and then every week we measure... Uh, the scale doesn't have to give, uh, doesn't always give a complete picture because of water weight, etc. So the in body actually tells us if you're losing fat. 
So really, we're more about fat burning than weight loss. You know, we want to rev up your metabolism. Um, you know, on a lot of diets, your metabolism slows down. She's like, with F-Factor, they're not slowing down the metabolism because fiber has a thermogenic effect. And, and that means that the more fiber you eat, the faster your metabolism your body works harder to break fiber down, but it has no calories. And so your body can't actually break it down. And that ends up speeding up calorie burning. She's like, we also recommend doing less cardio and doing more weight resistant activity. She's like, we want our clients to build more muscle because muscle burns fat. And that way our clients never hit plateaus. She's like, I think a lot of people end up damaging their metabolisms or feel like they've damaged their metabolisms through these other diets that they're doing. And then they end up gaining their weight back. She's like, but with F-Factor, you don't. You just increase your metabolism and keep the weight off. And Aileen was like, well, but doesn't that mean you have to like stay on this diet forever? And Tanya was like, well, the point is it's not a diet. Uh, I don't believe short-term, she's like, I don't believe in short-term solutions for long-term results. She's like, you know, people go on and off diets expecting to keep weight off. She's like, but that's not realistic. She's like, that's why the diet industry overall is a failure. She's like, you can't do something temporarily and expect permanent results. She's like, I don't know anyone who wants to lose weight or get healthy temporarily. She's like, if we try something that's restrictive, that's very restrictive, it's not sustainable. She's like, F-Factor is a lifestyle. I show my lifestyle on social media, where I travel, how my family has meals, how many cocktails I drink. She's like, and I eat the F-Factor way the whole time. She's like, I understand needing to, she's like, I understand something needing to fit into a lifestyle. So when people ask if I have to eat like this forever, I'm like, well, only if you want the results to be permanent. So then Aileen's like, so you're saying that F-Factor is not a low-calorie diet? She's like, well, Tanya's like, well, it is a low-calorie diet, but it doesn't feel like a low-calorie diet. And Aileen's like, well, then how can someone maintain a low-calorie diet for the rest of their lives? And Tanya's like, well, that's what maintenance is for. She's like, I've been living this lifestyle for 20 years and I'm not trying to lose weight at year after year. She's like, but I've been maintaining. She's like, step one will help you lose the weight. Then once you get to your goal, you move to maintenance where you can increase your caloric intake and it will match your needs. She's like, if you ever feel like you're having too many mindful indulg indulgences and creeping back up, you just go back to step one. She's like, I'm not just the founder. You know, I'm a client and living proof it works. She's like, my parents are both overweight. She's like, so I need to stay conscious and it allows me to maintain my weight. You know, not to insult my parents. She's like, but my family has struggled with their weight. She's like, health is a choice. She's like, my father has cardiovascular and, re and renal disease. My mother has high cholesterol genetically. So it's something I do have to be aware of as well and very conscious of. She's like, they wanted to put me on a statin drug in my 20s. I'm like, hell no. She's like, I'm in nutrition. She's like, I can't be on meds when I know that I can manage, the, you know, my cholesterol through nutrition. She's like, and I've always suffered with constipation. She's like, so ever since I was in college, I couldn't go to the bathroom. She's like, but thanks to F-Factor, 
I'm regular. And look, no matter how thin you are, if you're constipated, you feel bloated and gross. She's like, shit is toxic and you need to get rid of it. She's like, fiber is nature's medicine because it pulls toxins out of the body. And then Aileen was like, so so you must need to drink a lot of water, right? Because I've always heard that if you increase fiber, you need more water or you may get constipated from the actual fiber. Is that right? And Tanya's like, absolutely. She's like, I always get asked if you can have too much fiber. She's like, and the facts are there are no upper limits with fiber intake. She's like, there are tribes out there that eat 120 grams of fiber per day. And in the U.S., she's like, adults average between 10 to 13 grams per day. She's like, we as a nation are in a deficit. She's like, a lot of this is because as a nation, we eat less whole foods and more processed foods. She's like, there's a direct correlation between when fiber intake went up, uh, obesity rates. Oh, sorry. She's like, there's a direct correlation between when fiber intake went down. That's when obesity rates went up. She's like, there is no danger because you're ingesting something that is indigestible. She's like, but to get back to your question, she's like, yes, typically fiber just exits out our body with shit. But if we don't get enough fluid, it can harden and we can get impacted. She's like, another thing to be aware of, and it's not a danger, but but it can be, you know, it can be a discomfort. She's like, if you add too much fiber too quickly and your body isn't used to it, you can get gas, bloated. So if you're new to F-Factor and you're going to add a lot more fiber in, she's like, I recommend you do it slowly. She's like, start with five grams, then move up to 10. You know, make sure you're drinking three liters of water as you get up to the recommended 35 grams. Now I'm pausing here from the review because this is the exact thing that she got in trouble about. And it's interesting because she is talking about it here and she is recommending the right thing so that you don't have the the side effects it sounds like a lot of people had. Now, the people that are suing her for the side effects they had from the diet um, did have to do with blockages, did have to do with severe like gastrointestinal issues. And it, and it may be, have been because... Uh, when it's interesting because she she says there are no upper limits to fiber. She's basically saying you can eat as much fiber as you as you as you want. Um, you know, there's people that eat up to 120 grams, but she's like, so I think that's where a she got into a little bit of trouble because at first she didn't have any serving sizes at all on her powders, which people were were basically abusing the powders. They were, you know, using way too much of it, thinking that it would add to more weight loss. But then they had side effects because they were just consuming too much powder. And then I think some other people had a reaction to some of the, I don't know, some people just had weird reactions to the products anyway, just like rashes or whatever. But um, but then there were other people that I think just didn't drink enough water and did have some of these blockages or did have, you know, maybe they didn't have a lot of fiber in their diet to begin with. And then, you know, once they were increasing it by a lot, it did have those side effects. So it is interesting that she's addressing it here and she is giving good feedback. The complaints are that she never really addressed these 
publicly as they were coming at her. So like on social media, when some, when somebody would comment like, hey, I actually had a really difficult time with your diet and I had a lot of gas and bloating, uh, she would just like delete the public comment. So that was part of the problem. Um and it's just, it's and it's interesting that, I mean, Aileen had enough knowledge about the importance of drinking a lot of fluid when you are getting getting more fiber in. And, you know, and, and Tanya talked about potential blockages if you do that. And she, she didn't say it can be a danger. She said it can be discomfort. But for some people, it really did become a dangerous situation. I mean, there were people that did have some, some pretty serious side effects, it sounded like, and they did end up in the doctor's office. So, I mean, again, I, I think that she she does use science to and to support these things. And she's she's talking about the realistic potential for side effects. So. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was really interesting that, you know, this is what she's being sued for. And she did talk about it in the podcast. So, um, you know, and Emily has been saying on her lives, like if if. Tanya had just addressed it in a very, you know, responsible manner, if she had just cared, if she had just responded to those people um, publicly. I don't know. I don't know if that would have saved her company or not. I mean, obviously, now in this time of Ozempic, the question is, would her numbers have gone down anyway, right? Like all these women that were paying a zillion dollars to do her program and were buying all these products, I mean, these are ladies who lunch, a lot of them. They're they're definitely on the, uh, you know, they, they have, a, they're people with a lot of money. They're people that can't afford the semaglutide shots right now. So, you know, you got to wonder, would her company have lost a lot of revenue regardless because of this whole new weight loss craze with, with the semaglutides? I don't know. Um, so anyway, Aileen said then, yeah, I was curious about the recommended water intake if you're adding more fiber. And Tanya said, well, we ask that you add an extra four cups. So instead of eight, which is what the typical American is recommended, she's like, you should have 12. So that will help you from getting impacted. So then Aileen's like, I want to go back to the steps. She's like, I'd like to understand what people are eating through the steps. She's like, so if you, if you lower net carbs increase the protein, you lose the weight. She's like, but once you get to maintenance, how many carbs can you have? Does it go up to 50 grams? I mean, because even 50 is kind of low. So I'm just curious, like what, what people, what are people expecting as a lifestyle? So then Tanya finally gives her a pretty direct answer. She's like, okay, she's like, step one is 35 grams of net carbs per day plus 35 grams of fiber. She's like, step two is 75 grams of net carbs per day, which will still force the body to burn fat as fuel, plus continuing to consume 35 grams of fiber per day. She's like, step three is maintenance. She's like, it's not a definitive definitive amount because it will vary. She's like, some days you might go light and have 35 grams. Uh, she's like, but other days you may have 100 grams. She's like, it's, she's like it's, it's now the rest of your life that you're doing this. So, you know, the idea is to make it livable. 
Um, she's like, you know, the word diet is so misused. She's like a diet. If you look it up in the Webster's dictionary, she's like, it's a simple, it's simply a pattern of people, of how people eat. She's like, it's not about caloric intake. You know, she's like, it's a philosophy similar to, or our, our, you know, F factor is a philosophy similar to people eating vegan or eating kosher. She's like, our community is educated. She's like, then the, you know, once you get educated, that's when the buy-in happens. And that's, you know, when, when you understand the why and it makes you want to do it and that's how it's effective. So Alien then, then was like, well, so it's not even about what you're eating because even those amounts you mentioned are pretty low. And Tanya's like, well, that's because you're not used to eating high fiber carbs, She's like, if you're thinking I'm doing a low-carb diet, she's like, most diets feel like a low-carb diet. She's like, but when you can eat two huge Belgian waffles that look like 200 net carbs, but are actually only three net carbs, you, you know, you get to eat mac and cheese, jalapeno cheddar biscuits. She's like, F-Factor gives you carbs. She's like, it's just about eating in a way that the net is low. Like everybody wants to go get pasta and eat pasta in Italy and baguette and 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 get a baguette and eat eat all the bread in France. She's like, and you can eat those on F Factor. She's like, in maintenance, we just suggest mindful indulgences and the three bite rule. And she's like, and that can apply to any food. Aileen's like, well, what's the three bite rule? And Tanya's like, so you can eat three bites of anything without having it affect your weight loss. And of course, it does come down to frequency and quantity, but it is based on a scientific study. She's like, the study shows that the first bite and the last bite always rate the highest for satiety. She's like, and in this study, what they did is they they used a Snickers bar and they uh, used a mini Snickers bar, a regular Snickers bar, and then a king size Snickers bar. She's like, and they asked the participants to rate satiety, uh, which is basically just the amount of satisfaction you feel psychologically and physically after eating a particular food. And what they found is no matter if it was three bites, six bites, 12 bites, like whatever it was, it was always the first and the last bite that rated the highest. She's like the first, oh, mm, that's so good. You know, so people rate that the 10. And then, of course, the last bite, because it's your last bite, that also tends to be very high, like a 10 as well. She's like, whereas the middle bites don't rate as high. She's like, so I applied that to F factor. And so all foods, she's like, I truly believe that all foods can fit into a well-balanced diet. So if you want to have cake, just have three bites. You know, if you want to have pasta and and you want to lose weight, have three bites. She's like, this is, this is why F-factor is very liberating. Three bites are not going to interfere with weight loss. And so Aileen was like, so... Do you feel, though, that this could create, like, a fear of eating carbs? And Tanya's like, look, <laughs> you can tell she's starting to get a little bit annoyed with Aileen's questions at this point. She's like, F-Factor has four disruptive principles. She's like, one, you can eat carbs from day one. 
Two, you can drink cocktails from day one. Three, you can work out less. You're just working out smarter. She's like, we are the fattest nation, but we have the most gyms on every corner where people are doing too much cardio. She's like, it. People just need to work out smarter, not be so cardio focused. And, you know, so so nobody should fear carbs. She's like, the recipes that we provide people are all carbs. And so Aileen was like, so you can go out and eat. She's like, well, let's let's say, you know, give me an example. She's like, what would you eat if you went to an Italian restaurant? What would what would you have? And so Tanya was like, I would have a salad with Parmesan or a minestrone soup to start. She's like, then I would have the shrimp or calamari fra diablo, with like, which is like a spicy red sauce, and a side of vegetables. She's like, and maybe two to three glasses of red wine. And <laughs> Aileen's like, whoa, three glasses of red wine. And Tanya's like, I mean, maybe two. She's like, you don't have to drink that much. But she's like, you know, if you want the wine, you know, you can have it on F-Factor. And so Aileen's like, so you just omit the pasta. And Tanya's like, well, only in step one. She's like, you know, what I try to do is I try to front load my carbs. She's like, I don't, I, she's like, I'm not, I try not to have them at dinner at all. She's like, if you're thinking that carbs are fuel, she's like, doesn't that make sense? She's like, you go to, you at night, she's like, you go to bed or watch TV after dinner. So you really don't need carbs at that time at night. She's like, and that's just a good lesson for anyone. She's like, eat carbs for what they should be used for. She's like, beyond that, it's just entertainment. So here, here's where Tanya and I take a real big divergence on the pathways because I love eating at night and definitely eat most of my carbs at night. Well, not most of my carbs. I eat a lot of carbs in general. But, um, you know, and, and look, I understand what Tanya's saying that you know, this is a lifestyle and she does eat delicious food out. But like to me, having a minestrone soup or just like a little salad with some some shrimp with no pasta or bread, you know, just shrimp and calamari in a sauce. And those are not breaded, <laughs> Duh, obviously. Those are just like straight shrimps and, uh, you know, squid in a sauce and then a side of vegetables on top of that. I mean, for me, yes, I would, if I ate that as a meal, I would feel like, like, you know, very healthy, <laughs> like very, like I ate so light. And I would definitely have a buzz from the wine. So I mean, maybe that is the goal. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not a bad idea now that I think about it. But, um, but you know, I, I, I do feel like if I'm going out to spend money at a restaurant, I want it to be delicious. So I am going to have some pasta or some bread or something, you know, and I might eat a smaller portion, but it does for me who loves carbs. I'm Italian. I mean, I feel I do feel deprived if I go to an Italian dinner and I'm not having like I mean obviously you're you're eating car like Tanya's meal that she just laid out there's lots of carbs in there right because there's carbs and vegetable there's carbs in the tomato sauce there's carbs in the minestrone soup or the salad but it's like it's it's what she's talking about it's starchy vegetable carbs and it's not from delicious pasta or bread now again that's how you have a really flat stomach without a lot of fat on it. And to Tanya, that not having that little belly, that little pooch, 
you know, not, not having that excess fat on her legs or butt or hips or arms, that is worth it to her. She would rather, you know, because I'm sure she's satisfied, right? Or I don't know. I think because she has done it for so long, it truly is a lifestyle for her. But because I've been raised eating delicious bread and pasta and carbs that my family, like with my family, like I feel deprived if I don't have that. And that's the reality, I think, for most Americans, right? Like we we were raised eating potatoes, eating bread, eating all these things. And so there is a sense of deprivation if you don't incorporate them at all. And and again, Tanya's not saying you can't have that. She's saying eat three bites. <laughs> Just And again, I get a little depressed if I can't eat like a, a large quantity of something. And that's not necessarily, you know, that's slightly disordered too. I mean, I, I obviously like to binge and eat till I get sick sometimes. So that's not exactly healthy either. Um, and they say that comes from being restrictive, right? But I don't know. I... I I mean, here's here's the other thing. When you are eating really light and you do get into that habit, you know, when you do eat three bites of something indulgent, I mean, I don't I don't I've never really tried just three bites, but you you definitely do get satisfied from a smaller portion if you haven't been like overdoing it. Um, one of my listeners wrote to me the other day when she heard my last episode about sugar, she was saying she really doesn't eat a ton of like processed sugar. She eats, you know, she eats a lot of fruits and natural sugars, but when she goes to a party, cause she doesn't really drink, she'll eat sugar, she'll eat processed sugar there. And she's like, I get a buzz from it. So, you know, when you don't have a lot of something and then you do incorporate it, you, you're, you're extra sensitive to it. Uh, so, so anyway, um, and again, so Aileen is like, no pasta, that sounds depressing. (laughs) Um, so anyway, so for me, having a little belly, having some extra fat on my hips, on my arm, that I'm, I'm okay with that because I want to have some pasta. I do want some rice. I do want, you know, the cake (laughs) occasionally. You know, I I do, for me, you know, that is worth it. I'm okay with having a little belly and wearing something high-waisted in order to have the deliciousness of the more processed carbs or the carbs that are extra besides just the vegetables. So, um, and, and again, what Tanya's saying about using food as fuel and eating your carbs earlier in the day and not eating them at night. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is a nice way to have a lean lifestyle. You know, I, I'm i just, for me, that's not going to work because I will go to bed hungry and then I won't be able to sleep. So I do need some sort of, you know, satisfying meal before I go to bed in order to have good rest. That's just, that's just me. So then Aileen asks, okay, so what if someone is listening now? She's like, they don't have a lot of money and can't afford your products. She's like, they also can't afford to be a client or even buy your book. She's like, what's something that they can do right now, similar to this with their natural foods? And Tanya's like, look, if you can't get the book, don't do the diet. 
like, she's pretty, uh, she, she turns pretty serious here. She's like, you can get it online used for like $1.99 or you can go to the library and get it for free. She's like, if you're not going to invest in learning and educate yourself, she's like, I'm not going to tell people to simply add more fiber to whatever they might be eating now. She's like, if you have an unhealthy diet and you just add fiber, she's like, it's not going to manage your weight. She's like, F factor is a formula. She's like, and I feel strongly, you know, we, you know, we do, we do have products. She's like, but you don't have to do buy the products to do the diet. She's like, F factor is not punitive. She's like, I'm more of an educator. She's like, if people are doing keto or paleo, you know, you can do you can do that with adding more fiber, and then that can become a lifestyle. So Aileen's mentioned, she's like, you mentioned protein is important. So how much protein are you guys recommending? Tanya was like, protein is essential. She's like, women need about three to four ounces of protein per meal. Men need about six to eight ounces per meal. She's like, you will lose muscle mass if you don't get enough protein. And Aileen was like, so if people weren't eating the fiber on this plan, they would feel hungry, right? And Tanya's like, yes, but if you understand how much protein you need, she's like, Americans eat too much protein overall. She's like, this leads to excess calories and weight gain. She's like, she's like, um, she's like, F factor gives you more, like slightly more protein than you need. She's like, most women need anywhere from 50 to 90 grams per day. So then Aileen's like, so... Regarding the word diet and how it's misused, she's like, how do you feel about this whole like anti-diet culture movement that seems to be becoming popular? She's like, intuitive eating. She's like, you know, she's like, because if you're on a diet, you're basically in prison. And, and again, Tanya sounds slightly offended here. She's like, well, I don't feel like I'm in prison at all. She's like, I feel liberated. She's like, I can dine out anywhere. I never feel restricted. I can enjoy cocktails as frequently as I want. She's like, I mean, of course, drinking responsibly. But overall, people think of dieting and th- they think it's it's going to be punitive or restrictive. And again, that is not sustainable. She's like, my issue with intuitive eating is we live in in an obesogenic environment. She's like living in the US, you're you're basically destined to become fat. She's like eating too many processed foods, portions are overserved. She's like what is intuitive eating? She's like I don't know many people that know how to eat properly. She's like they say eat until you're full, but we're always hungry. She's like, because food is just omnipresent in our culture here. She's like, there are very few people who know how to intuitively eat because we're so overserved, and food is readily available 24 seven. She's like, it's not that I don't think being able to eat intuitively would be wonderful. She's like, but I don't know many people who know how to eat intuitively for health. She's like, therefore, when I think of diets, I hate them because they're not sustainable. She's like, it needs to be something that you can make into a lifestyle. She's like, I'm passionate because I care about the human experience. You know, you've heard me speak. She's like, it would be irresponsible, irresponsible for me to help people lose weight in a way that feels like you're in a prison. She's like, that's why I'm all about education. She's like, I don't feel you should do anything halfway. 
So here's now just to get off this for a second. I have to say there is there is now I do believe in intuitive eating. I do. I I think that I do. I I think I eat fairly intuitively. Um, but I but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I know I'm going to eat to you know numb myself out or um or you know use it you know to for stress or you know use it emotionally to celebrate so i don't always intuitively eat uh but i i i also i also um here's here's again where i I disagree with some of the statements from, you know, DST and and some of these. Like, I I do believe that there is a purpose for wanting to lose weight in our culture. Like, you know, there's some influencers and and again, the the Diet Starts Tomorrow podcast almost seems to be kind of like not not saying don't ever like nobody can ever want to lose weight, but they they definitely trash on all things diet culture. And I I do believe in some diet like diet culture or the desire to lose weight right because because of what Tanya did say like I do agree with her that we live in a world where there's so many indulgent things at our fingertips right like all the fast food places all of the commercials that make us crave things um, you know, all the, you know, everything, everything we do is surrounded by sugar. There's sugar added to everything. I mean, it is, you, you do have to be very conscious of wanting to choose nutritious things because it's so easy to choose, uh, processed things, right? It's so much easier to choose processed than whole foods. And so I I just think that there is an importance of, you know, if you are someone that wants to maintain your weight, which I don't I don't think is a bad thing. Um, if you're somebody that doesn't want to to consistently gain weight year over year, it does you do have to be intentional about what you put in your mouth. Like that is a fact, right? And so I I I do think some of the principles she teaches are good. Right. I do like the science behind the F factor diet. I do like learning about the thermogenic, you know, powers of fiber. <laughs> and I like I totally I mean, part of what I learned through the through the weight loss journey and working in that industry was the importance of protein. You know, and I learned the importance of a well-balanced diet, eating all the food groups. And because we had to portion control, I learned portions. And and that is that has served me well through my life, I have to say. So um so anyway, I just wanted to take a second to agree with a couple of the things that Tanya said. Then Aileen said, um, she's like, the thing with intuitive eating is yes, it is idealistic. She's like, but the premise is she's like, well, it's meant for people who have been on diets their whole lives. You know, they've restricted so much that they don't actually know what they like. She's like, so they have a strong fear of food. She's like, but I think the best way to do it is like with a professional, She's like with a therapist or somebody like that. She's like, because people are also really scared of gaining weight. So I do agree that intuitive eating is a very difficult thing to do. And Tanya was like, well, I think you're talking about a very small percentage of the population that has been overly restrictive. She's like, but the majority of people are just middle America that have poor diets and are overweight. 
she's like, our message is not directed towards people with eating disorders. She's like, our clients are people who have struggled with their weight and they want to look and feel their best and they just don't know how to do it. So I'm the conduit from the science lab to the layperson. And Aileen kind of jumps in with a joke. She's like, oh, you're like a shepherd. And and Tanya's like, let me just pause here because, you know, when Aileen made that joke, like she she's being slightly snarky. I mean, and Tanya's painted herself. I mean, she used the word like she's used throughout the podcast. She she uses words like proselytize and Mother Teresa and, um, you know, all these things which are kind of making her sound like the next coming of Jesus or something, you know? And so I think Aileen's kind of joking a little bit about that. But I think also, I think Tanya is is detracting from the fact that there is a major percentage of the population that that doesn't know what to do, that that is because of the diet culture throughout our media, what, you know, everything that our parents have been through and talked to us about, like, that's become just completely ingrained in our psyche. And so, you know, what Tanya's saying is she's talking about like people with eat, like strong eating disorders. I think what she's not recognizing is like this whole, this larger majority with disordered eating, where it's not like a full blown eating disorder, but it's like, it's, it's, it's like the the binging, you know, you know, some of what I do sometimes and some of what a lot of people do that have weird behaviors around food, right? And so so I, I, I do think Tanya's wrong a little bit here. I think Aileen is speaking about a really large percentage of the population. I think Tanya's really I think Tanya's more focused on the percentage of people that are after that aspirational lifestyle right? That they're the percentage of people that have the luxury to think about their weight constantly, right? Because they're not struggling with just trying to survive. You know, she kind of throws out this insult about middle America. And, um, you know, and and Tanya's part of like the 1% club. You know, she's she's very wealthy. She talks about being in the Hamptons a lot throughout this. She taught, you know, so she she comes from a level of privilege that most of us don't have access to. And 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 even Aileen here, who's and Aileen is very privileged as well, but she's not as privileged as as Tanya. And and whereas, you know, Aileen, I think I think Aileen is kind of that anyway, I don't I don't know what I want to say here, but I think that um I think Aileen before she started becoming more ingrained with body acceptance and the intuitive eating movement. I think like at the beginning of this whole podcast of Diet Starts Tomorrow, I think she was chasing that aspirational body. And, you know, because her and Sammy talk about it. She's like, you know, when we first started this podcast, it was more about like, how do we use these disordered eating things to actually look the way we want to look? Like, I think she, they, they kind of started out as being the people that might might follow Tanya, um, but because because of this aspirational image that she's presented, and the thought that oh we're supposed to look like that, we're supposed to be that thin, like this is really important, 
instead of, oh, actually, we should just accept our bodies and live our lives. And yes, like eat, eat nutritiously and have some balance in our lives, but not be so hung up on every single bite we put in our mouths because that's just going to make us miserable. So, um, so anyway, I, I, I just thought it was this just this interesting kind of back and forth between, you know, Tanya, who's very ingrained in diet culture and but but really sees it as just health and a lifestyle and um you know, and Aileen who's looking at her as, no, this is restriction. <laughs> so it's just it's it is it is two different perspectives here. Um, so anyway, Tanya gets back to saying that, you know, my philosophy is that you understand something. If it, my philosophy is if you understand something, you're more likely to do it because it just makes sense to you. She's like, so if you understand the why behind F factor and you're seeing the benefits and you're not suffering and then you value the outcome, why wouldn't you want that if you can sustain it? And so Aileen was like, but in maintenance, are you still supposed to be like filling out what you're eating? Or do you just know at that point? Tanya's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. When you do it consistently, she's like, it it becomes intuitive. So no, you don't have to journal for the rest of your life. She's like, once it becomes a habit, you it becomes a habit. Um, but Aileen was like, well, you can't just dumb it down to a simple like one plus one. And Tanya's like, yes, I can. So it's just funny. She's like, no, actually, Aileen, yeah, you can. So it's just, you know, Aileen's trying to be trying to share the perspective of like the common man. And Tanya's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is my perspective and I'm sticking to it. She's like, I can speak strongly about this because once you understand the importance of the combination of fiber and protein at every meal, she's like, it naturally provides a calorie cap to your day. So it just does that because of the volume. She's like, the specific amount of recommended protein does become second nature over time. And so then, then Aileen's like, okay, um, well, let's get to some listener questions. You can kind of tell, you can kind of see that Aileen was like, okay, let's just agree to disagree. And, and you know, she didn't want to insult her guest and she didn't want to argue with her guest. But you could tell that she did disagree, a, you know, with a little bit of what Tanya was saying. So she's just like, let's move on here. And so they wanted to get into some listener questions. So... She's like, she's like, okay, Tanya. Uh, so one of our listeners wrote in and wants to know, what is your relationship with food like? And Tanya's like, huh, I love it. You know, she can tell that she's like, okay, fuck you, but I'm going to answer this and pretend to be nice. I mean, I, again, like Tanya, I think Tanya... You could tell that there was irritation a little bit in her voice. Overall, she did handle herself well and professionally on this podcast. Um, and and you could tell that Aileen had kind of her strong perspective that she didn't come right out with. But when you hear these the rest of these questions, you can tell that Aileen had a little bit of an agenda um, focused on being supportive of kind of like the diet culture movement or the anti-diet culture movement and maybe trying to poke holes a little bit into Tanya's diet and the intentions behind it and and all that stuff. So anyway, so Tanya's like, I love it. She's like, 
I wanted to become a chef at one point in my life. She's like, and it's very visible if you watch me on social media. She's like, I'm constantly cooking and entertaining. She's like, I always want food to taste delicious. She's like, and that's why we give people a lot of creative recipes. She's like, I think of food as fuel. She's like, my relationship with food is very healthy. She's like, food is an opportunity to be healthier. It's enjoyment. It's friends and family. It's social. Um, and then Aileen was like, uh, do you think the next question? She's like, do you think you have any kind of emotional attachment towards food? And Tanya's like, well, yeah, because food has always been a part of my life. She's like, you know, I grew up in the kitchen cooking with my mom and my grandmother. She's like, you know, my mom is Colombian and I grew up eating empanadas. So I learned recipes from my grandma. And she's like, if you want to have, she's like, you People should want to have a healthy emotional relationship with food, not an unhealthy one. And so Aileen then asked the next listener question. She's like, so so answer answer this honestly. She's like, what is the hardest part of F-Factor? And so Tanya's like, hmm. She's like, well, I think being mindful of portion sizes of protein. She's like, as a culture, we've always been overserved protein. And a lot of diets are kind of like, you know, just have as much protein as you want. So she's like, that can be difficult to, to make people retract that or, you know, cut back on that protein. She's like, um, she's like, you know, you can, you know, right now at a restaurant, she's like, you can go out and order a 32 ounce porterhouse. She's like, a petite filet can be 12 ounces. She's like, that's why we have vegetables as a free food. She's like, fill up on vegetables over the protein. She's like, a lot of people think that they can just eat unlimited amounts of proteins. And that's not the F factor way. She's like, also, some people think it's a lot of food or too much food for them. So some people end up skipping meals. They just think it's a lot. You know, some people are um, also do have trouble getting adjusted to a, a higher fiber intake. Um, so those she's like, that's some of the feedback that we get. So then Aileen asks, so are you recommending people eat plain fiber like the Gigi crackers or can you or can you actually enjoy the fiber that you're eating? And again, Tanya sounds slightly insulted, but she's like, yes, you should always enjoy what you're eating. She's like, if you don't like the GG crackers, don't eat them. She's like, um, she's like, I don't own GG company. She's like, the reason that they become a part of the diet is because it's an easy way to get in a lot of fiber with low carbs. She's like, this is also why we've launched the powders. She's like, which allow us to create waffles and pancakes and muffins and biscuits. She's like, things that are decadent, but the diet is not eat a dry, tasteless cracker you hate and lose weight. She's like, if you don't like them, don't eat them. She's like, it's not going to be sustainable if you don't enjoy what you're eating. Uh, so then somebody asked, uh, Aileen was like, well, somebody else asked, does your diet create disordered eating habits? Like, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, like, does it make you have a fear of carbs? And so, and Tanya was like, ah, I hope not. And she, she does sound especially insulted at this point with that question. And Aileen was like, you know, I just feel like anyone who's counting anything, you know, if you're having to count all of these grams and carb grams, she's like, you, you, 
it does tend to make certain people a little bit obsessed with food. She's like, it can create kind of a fear of eating too many carbs. And so Tanya was like, look, she's like, if most of the questions, she's like, most of the questions you're asking me are directed in this one space, like fear of food, counting. And it's really not something we run into at F Factor. She's like, because people, because our message is about empowering people with knowledge. So the fear of something typically comes from not being informed, the fear of the unknown. So to me, our clients are so informed that they don't fear anything. She's like, these questions are coming from people who haven't done the program or have absolutely no knowledge of the program. You know, these questions are pretty surprising because I just never encounter this. She's like, once you understand it, it's liberating. She's like, for example, Katie Corrick sat through this education and was like, why hasn't anyone explained it like this before? She's like, it wasn't this scary. It's 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 just like it's just like it's just logic. So. And again, it's it's funny because the, the questions that Aileen is asking are are things that came up throughout this whole drama. Like there are people that felt like it created disordered eating habits. And other people have said that about other diets, that having, you know, restricting certain foods did make them, you know, crazy and and, you know, obsessed with, you know, these 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 different methods of trying to control weight. I mean, just personally, I remember when I was trying to lose some of the pandemic weight and uh, Chad, my boyfriend, was starting to count his calories and it just it just made me want to try to. And that alone made me crazy. Like it, it definitely counting the calories made me start. I don't know. Just it got me weird around my food intake. So I get what Aileen's saying. I think there are certain people who the tendency to count or having to just be very focused on not eating more than this certain amount, it, it you know, it can make you feel, you know, like you're being punished or that you, you know, Tanya keeps saying over and over, it's not punitive, it's not restrictive. But that is a really low carb count. And and I did try making some of her like the waffles and the um the biscuits. And they're they were they were decent, but the texture was off. I mean, it does not satisfy you like having the real thing would. So as much as Tanya does want to preach this no restriction, this is, you know, not punitive, you're not cutting anything out. I mean Look, the reality of weight loss is it is torture. I mean, anybody that wants to lose weight, if you're not using something that completely takes your appetite away, like the Ozempic shots or the semaglutide shots, you you there's a tendency to feel tortured because being hungry sucks. Not being able to eat until you're satiated like sucks. It just does. Not being able to eat something delicious that you're craving because it is carb heavy and fat heavy and over the specific amount that you're allowed to intake. It sucks. It just sucks. So, um, you know, that's why, again, this whole semaglutide thing is so popular because people are able to cut down on their food intake and choose the healthier choices because they're just not ravenous and they can control it. So, 
I mean, that's why this, this these weight loss drugs have kind of taken over and why I think, hmm, would, would Tanya's clients have even stayed if they had access to something like this? I mean, I think the principles on her diet are good regardless, like eating more fiber, eating more protein, eating more vegetables. I mean, those are always going to be good things. Um, portion control is always going to be a good thing. It's just, you know are you going to be satisfied to the extent? So, you know, if maybe if you're doing a mixture of both, that's where the magic is, right? When you're eating a lot of protein to maintain muscle mass and you're also, you know, using these to control appetite, you know, maybe that is. I mean, I'm still curious about what the long-term effects of Ozempic or these semaglutide shots are going to be regardless. Um, so anyway, uh, so Aileen then said... I think the science is logical. She's like, it's just, it's more about the counting and removing. But Tanya's like, yeah, but we lead with the addition of fiber. It's not about omitting things. She's like, a lot of people don't eat breakfast or snacks, and you do have to have them on F-factor. She's like, you're not cutting carbs. You're just understanding which carbs are best. You're not, cu- you're not cutting protein or fat. You're just moderating how much you eat and sticking to the leaner sources. She's like, so there are very few people. She's like, there are just very few people who can eat whatever they want and look the way they want. Aileen's like, yeah, that's, that is true. Tanya's like, there are very few people who can spend whatever they want and also save for, for retirement. She's like, it's almost illogical and immature. She's like, if someone says, I want to eat this, and I say, go ahead and eat it, but you may not look the way you want. She's like, most people are not genetically blessed like that. She's like, I look like this because I eat in a very specific way, not because I'm lucky. She's like, most of us have to work for it and be mindful. Um, she's like, I hope that answered your question. I think she kind of like thought about what she said there. Like, like if you want to look like me, you need to eat like me, you know, it's it, but I mean, she's, you know, she's, she's kind of speaking to her lifestyle. Like people, you know, she does have a, she's, I mean, I, I think she's a little too thin and I don't know whether it's because she's just with all the stress she's been going through, through this whole thing. Um, I mean, again, I think, I think as you age, a little bit of extra fat on your body is a good thing. So I, I think, I mean, I just think that, you know, I think Tanya is a little bit too thin personally. Again, you're not supposed to comment on people's bodies, but that's just my personal opinion. Uh, so anyway, Aileen's like, no, 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 you have great answer. She's like, I just have one more question. Don't worry, it's not a scary one. She's like, um, she's like, what self-care measures do you take outside of working out? And Tanya's like, well, I try to meditate. She's like, I also do, you know, have a a great practice of gratitude to God. She's like, I really believe gratitude is at the root of happiness. She's like, you know, F-factor is a tool. And she's like, life is more about, you know, just about weight. She's like, you know, we really want you to be your best self. And she's like, that's what we strive for at F-Factor. She's like, if we don't feel and look our best, other things in our life suffer. So, you know, I really believe that we are the architects of our own lives. So then they kind of went into like some non-scale wins, but that was that was the meat of the interview. So it was, I mean, I, I, I was enthralled. I loved it. I'm glad that I finally found it. I I did, especially when Tanya mentioned it on her live, I was like, I need to find this interview. So I'm glad I did. Um, because then Aileen goes then into other podcasts in the future, kind of talking about how um, 
you know, she she doesn't speak highly of Tanya in the future. And again, of course, like Tanya is preaching a weight loss method. And the Diet Starts Tomorrow girls are moving more towards just body acceptance and accepting a higher body weight and knowing that they just don't have to torture themselves to to be in a thinner body and that's okay. So that's that's their whole focus, whereas Tanya is you know, very, very focused on preaching the science, the education, the ability to live a normal lifestyle and make these choices. And she's she is right. I mean, there are things that you can eat. If you're going to a party, there's a lot of times going to be some sort of whole food there that you can choose. Um, is it going to be the thing that you want? Right? Like, you know, there's going to be all this other indulgent stuff at this party. Are you going to want to go for the cauliflower and the carrot sticks? <laughs> you know, you do have to restrict yourself from those other things. So um, and Tanya's basically like, if you want to look the way you want to look, you got to work for it. You got to restrict, some, you know, and she, and she doesn't say like you have to restrict, but she's like, it's mind, it's eating mindfully. It's understanding what your intentions are. If your intentions are to keep weight off, follow the three bite rule. And again, you know, like there's a lot of people that would think the three bite rule is a very disordered thing to do. Tanya's like it's based in science. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's an interesting debate. I can see all the sides of it. You know, I see all the sides. And again, I don't, I don't think that the, now, I will say when I've when I've attempted to follow some of the principles in F Factor in the past, I did get really hungry. <laughs> I mean, sometimes just even watching what Tanya's choosing over other options she has. Like remember when I talked about that like Italian buffet with all these croissants and or maybe yeah, it was I think it was in Italy. And she brought her Gigi crackers to breakfast. I'm like that to me is insane. Like there's no way in hell I would pass up these fresh baked pastries in in exchange for Gigi crackers or like this gross fiber cracker with some salmon on it. I mean, that'll never be me. I will always be the person that but I but again, I do want to maintain my weight to a certain extent. So I again, I understand incorporating some of those principles. Anyway, so that's the podcast. Uh, went pretty long, which, you know, all of you deserve since you're my subscribers. But I hope you enjoyed it today. Hopefully you're not sick of this topic. Um, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Please follow me if you don't already at the Diet Obsessed Podcast and Veronica Santarelli. Uh, and I have lots of good episodes coming up. Um, I am going to have that interview with Kate, uh, and I am going to eventually tell some, some, some stories on here that I haven't shared publicly yet, but I'm going to save that for my subscribers. So anyway, I hope all of you have a great week until we meet again. I hope all of you have a very